the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous Saturday. Uh, this is your host, Al Fadi, and if you're tuning in, you're listening to Let Us Reason. We'd like to uh, thank you, as always, for uh, allowing us to be on the air for the at least uh, four years now, and uh, we're entering into our next season. Uh, so thank you again uh, from the bottom of our hearts for your prayers, for your support, uh, for your financial uh, you know, backing, and uh, just for... Um, standing by us and hopefully that you found all of our shows all of our topics all of our fabulous guests uh, helpful uh, to you in your own personal journey and your own witness to our muslim friends primarily but obviously periodically we talk about issues that also matter to us as believers and doctrines that are biblical that we need to learn about and defend as well Today is no exception. Um, one of the things that our Muslim friends object to and emphatically deny that uh, such a thing uh, can be logical is the doctrine of the substitutionary atonement. What I mean by that is the Bible teaches that Jesus died as a replacement in our place. He became sin, not a sinner. He became sin so that we could be forgiven, our sins will be taken away from us, but in return, we have his righteousness imputed upon us by faith, of course, uh, by the grace that he has done uh, willingly to go to the cross to die for our sins. Now, this is not something that I am inventing. There are many Bible passages that talk about this. One such passage could be found also in 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21, and I am going to take you there quickly so that we can read together the passage and see what the Word of God is teaching us in terms of this uh, doctrine or this idea, because it is crucial for us to not only know it, but also share it with those who deny it. For instance, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, of course, is a very, very important passage where it talks about us being ambassadors uh, for Christ, that we have been uh, charged with the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because he himself reconciled us back to God. And as his representative, as his ambassadors now on behalf of Christ, we are uh, reconciling the world to God. And God is appealing to the world, making his appeal through us. Uh, in, uh, for instance, uh, verse 17 in that chapter, uh, we read this famous 
basically declaration that therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come so how does that work what does that mean that the old has passed away the old is our sinful nature before we know Christ the new is now our righteous nature of course we still gonna have to go through a process of sanctification here it's not saying we become perfect but we become righteous justified before a holy and a just God and verses 20 and 21 in this particular chapter tell us that here is what happened it says therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God why why do we need to implore people the world sinners verse 21 tells us why for our sake as sinners he God made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin notice the scripture didn't say he made him sinner no he became sin because of all of the sins that he carried so God for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life uh, shall not perish uh, basically and will have eternal life and obviously uh, by carrying our sin he himself became like sin not a sinner because it did clarify immediately who knew no sin okay so he became like sin, but he himself is not a sinner. So that the, in return, in him, in Christ, in union with him, when we have a relationship with him, when we have faith in the work of Christ on the cross, we might become the righteousness of God. Subjective. Okay? So here is what's going on. The Bible clearly stated that we become the righteousness of Christ when we have union with Christ and when we believe in the work of Christ and when by faith we accept the grace that is given to us it's not by our works not at all in Philippians 2 verses 8 and 9 it says by grace by faith you you have been saved not by works okay so that's extremely important now that's what the Bible teaches our Muslim friends, of course, emphatically deny that such a thing could be logical. But here's the problem. Do you know that Islam actually does permit and teach substitutionary atonement or the doctrine in one way or another in some shape or form? Let me give you an example. Do you know that if someone who is a Muslim wanted to go and perform a pilgrimage in Mecca, but for some reason, they died. Their health prevented them, maybe. Uh, they ended up dying. Maybe they couldn't go. They could hire someone, or the heirs of the deceased can hire someone using proceeds from the income or the money that is left by the deceased. And this someone that they hire can go to Mecca, perform all of the rituals, and the deceased will receive credits for it. It's almost like the righteousness of the man or the person who went to perform the pilgrimage is imputed upon that person, the deceased. Isn't that exactly what Jesus has done for us? Except in this case, Jesus is sinless, lived sinless, born sinless, and when he went to the cross, remained sinless. 
because the scripture says he knew no sin. Yet he became sin, but he knew no sin. The only problem is Islam hires people to go who are sinful people, who are unrighteous to begin with, yet Islam somehow has no problem allowing a sinful person impute their work of righteousness on another person. Now that is extremely crucial and that is extremely important for us because it is these kind of teachings that I always like to show our Muslim friends and reason with them in order for us to take them back to the Bible, sort of like building a bridge back to begin to explain further these important doctrines. In fact, one also might argue that Islam uh, does permit, actually, the idea that on Judgment Day, uh, and I'm going to go and look for something for you real quickly right now, um, because there is something uh, that I would like to share with you from the teachings of the Quran. It has to do with imputing the sin of Muslims on Christians and Jews. In other words, taking the righteousness of the Christians and the Jews and imputing that on the Muslim. So, uh, sin of Christians... And we are going to go now to give you some references that are found in the Quran itself about uh, basically how this will play out. Now, the Quran and the Hadith will say that they will bear their own burdens in full on the day of resurrections and also of the burdens of those whom they misled without knowledge. Now, here's the problem. In chapter 16 of the Quran, verse 25, one of the judgment, especially against those who mislead others, is that the person who misled somebody not only will bear his own sins or her own sins, but also the sins of those that they misled will be also burdened upon them. Isn't that also a form of substitutionary atonement? In other words, you are lessening now the sins of those that were being misled because that sin was carried over, transferred from them to those who misled them. We find a similar concept in Quran chapter 29, verse 13. And verily, they shall bear their own loads and other loads beside their own. Okay, that's going to happen on the day of resurrection. There is also many sayings of the Prophet that confirm such thing. Let's take a look at one found in Sahih Muslim, the collection of Muslims, book number 37, hadith number 6665. Okay, here it says, Abu Musa reported that Allah's messenger, meaning Muhammad, said, When it will be the day of resurrection, the day of judgment, Allah would deliver to every Muslim a Jew or a Christian, and say, that is your rescue from hellfire. In other words, I am going to ransom you with a Christian or a Jew. The Christian or the Jew will go to the hellfire, and in return, the Muslim will be, be, will be declared righteous. Do you see what's going on here? It's exactly the same teachings that the Bible uh, taught, except now 
the Christians who believe in Jesus uh, somehow become unrighteous according to the doctrine of substitutionally atonement according to Islam. They become unrighteous in account of Jesus, in union of Christ, and they'll be thrown in a hellfire and they will be used as ransom. And therefore, uh, in return, it is the, uh, basically, the Christians and the Jews are going to end up paying uh, the hefty penalty. What a travesty. What a, an absolute travesty that such a thing can happen. Here's another saying by the Prophet of Islam, also found in Muslim collection. You see, uh, the hadith uh, have different collections that are uh, accepted by both the Sunnis uh, or the Shia or other bodies. Nevertheless, they vary, but those are, technically speaking, considered by these groups to be authenticated. And now, when you talk about collection of Bukhari or Muslim, these are at the top of the list of authentication. It's almost as if it's inspired as good as the Quran. So here is another tradition by the Prophet of Islam. Uh, this one has a, a unique number. Many of you probably will glinch on that. Uh, um, it's uh, Sahih Muslim, book number 37, uh, uh, hadith number 6666 okay four times number six has been repeated not three times but four times so it seemed like those are three uh, I'm going to read uh, another one shortly they're all like in a row basically uh, there is even more so uh, uh, you know it's the same book book 37 in Sahih Muslim you start with hadith number 6665 then you go to 66 then you go to 67 then we're going to read 68 and so on and so forth let's look at number 6666 Abu Burda reported on the authority of his father that Allah's apostle meaning Muhammad said no Muslim would die but Allah would admit in his stead a Jew or a Christian in hellfire. Then Omar ibn Abdul Aziz took an oath by one besides whom there is no God but he, thrice that his father had narrated that to him from Allah's messenger, meaning he is authenticating this saying. Here is number 6-7. So hadith number 6667 also in Sahih Muslim book number 37. This hadith has been transmitted on the authority of uh, Aun ibn Utbah, meaning the same one that we just read. Here is another one, hadith number 6668, which is in the same book, book 37, Sahih Muslim. Abu Burda reported Allah's messenger as saying, there would come people amongst the Muslims on the day of resurrection with as heavy sins as a mountain. So there'll be Muslims who have sins are he as heavy as mountain. And Allah would forgive them, and he would place in their stead the Jews and the Christians. Folks, it doesn't sound like Allah basically took the sins away. No, somebody has to pay. And this is what we are saying to our Muslim friends. Sin has to be punished. Sin has to be paid for. There is no forgiveness in uh, just by way of casually taking away sins and no one is going to pay for it. Even the hadith, the sayings of the Prophet of Islam, confirm that somebody is going to replace the Muslim or take away the sins of the Muslim. Somebody is going to carry that burden. 
This is why it's extremely important for us as believers to know about these things so that we can make sense of the teaching of the Bible to our Muslim friends. They are going to object to it, but when we try to reason with them, sometimes, if necessary, not all the time, if necessary, we can use their sources to try to show them why such a doctrine is even confirmed in their own sources, not for the purpose of trying to say that their sources are divinely inspired or accepted or authenticated or uh, something that we have to follow, not at all. We need to always remember the Bible is the ultimate authority that we follow. The Bible is the first and foremost source we go to. However, if someone who is a Muslim rejects what the Bible is saying, and we know for a fact that whatever they're rejecting does exist actually in their own sources, then it behooves us to try to point them out to that particular issue and now draw them back to why this particular doctrine is important in the Bible. Let's reason with it. Keep in mind, the Bible came before Islam. The Bible was written before Islam. The Bible was revealed before Islam. Grace and the, uh, the work of Christ was done before the rise of Islam. Therefore, it is incumbent upon our Muslim friends to go back to what came before Islam. Islam is reporting something that is already in existence, not something new. It's versus what the Bible is teaching is something that no one ever taught before. It is the grace of God freely offered to people, and by faith, people can be saved in this particular grace. So this is why such an issue was important to the point that I even posted it a um, few days, uh, almost, uh, I would say, about, uh, you know, maybe uh, less than uh, two days ago. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it would have been two days. I posted it on my own personal page on Facebook, which is alfadi.sira, alfadi.sira. And remember, Sira is with a C as in Charlie. And of course, uh, we received many denier, uh, denials from our Muslim friends. Nothing really um, that is uh, uh, basically unexpected. I mean, let me just read one of those uh, claims. I'm not going to read the name of the person. You can go and see it for yourself. It says, yeah, substitutionally atonement is against biblical injunction itself. That's what the Muslim person is saying. Though, epis uh, uh, though epistle of Paul, I'm reading just the person, uh, the way the person wrote, though epistle of Paul support your claim, Al-Fadi, with his new doctrine, contrary to Jesus Christ's teaching and old scriptures injunction. Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 20, for the sake of this gospel, I am an ambassador, though now I am in prison. In fact, it says I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be bold in speaking about the gospel as I should. I'm not so sure really what the person means here. Second Corinthians 2 verse 14, he re reports that also. But thanks be to God. For in union with Christ, we are always led by God as prisoners in Christ's victory procession. God uses us to make the knowledge about Christ spread everywhere like a sweet fragrance. So not so sure really what exactly the point this person is trying to make, but all we know is Paul is always blamed and claimed that technically speaking, he is the author of this doctrine of substitutionally atonement. So if that's the case, let me take you now to the final chapter of Luke, Luke 24, and let's see. The Bible study that our Lord did with the two disciples on the way to Emmaus. We read this starting from verse 44. Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, meaning 
uh, until the time I got crucified. And now he's speaking after the resurrection. Okay. Once again, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, meaning the entire Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, the word of God, and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Gee, it doesn't sound to me that Paul was inventing a gospel. He was just reporting what Jesus has said. How do we know this? Because this is the gospel that basically was preached by Paul. We can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and read from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, starting from verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, speaking to the church in Corinth here, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. In other words, I'm not preaching something new. You've received this gospel that I'm preaching to you right now, in which you stand. Right now, you are believers, you're called brothers, you're called saints because of that gospel. So Paul is just reminding them. He says, I remind you. Notice, I'm not preaching something new to you. And by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. You see, he emphasized in receiving something that they know, He's reminding them of, and he's delivering to them again as a reminder. What did he deliver? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That's what Jesus did with the two disciples on the way to Emmaus in Luke 24. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Notice, Paul preaching exactly what Jesus just said in Luke. But of course, if you try to argue this with our Muslim friends, you're not going to go anywhere with it. So this is the sad reality, everybody, that unfortunately we are faced with dilemmas after dilemmas with our Muslim friends. They are in denial. They will refuse to listen to anything that we try to share with them. They will object to anything that we try to reveal to them from their own sources. Not just any sources, their own sources. Now, this Muslim continues to write about Paul. Substitutionally atonement was preached by Paul for the Hebrews and others for them to follow his new branch, sect, he says. Paul says in Hebrews 4, 14 to 15. By the way, it, it really doesn't cease to amaze me. You know, scholars argued for centuries about who is the author of Hebrews, and no one can tell you definitively that it's Paul. I believe it's Paul, but nevertheless, here is our Muslim friend insisting that it's Paul who wrote Hebrews. That's fine. Here is what Hebrews 4, 14 to 15 says. Let us then hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we have a great high priest, who has gone into the very presence of God, Jesus, the Son of God. And I'm going to say, and here is verse 15 says, Our high priest is not one who cannot feel sympathy for our weakness. On the contrary, we have a high priest who was tempted in every way that we are, but did not sin. He's confirming right now the 
temptation that Jesus went through in Matthew 4. And he's also confirming the trial of Jesus, for instance, in Mark 14, verses 61 to 64, where the high priest asked our Lord Jesus Christ, Are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? Meaning, are you the Son of God? Jesus answered, Yes. And you will see the Son of God, the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Majesty, coming on the clouds of heaven, uh, seated at the right hand of Majesty, and coming on the clouds of heaven. So, our Muslim friend here, by quoting Hebrews, have confirmed the accounts of Jesus. This is why we need to really open their eyes, as the scripture says. And Jesus opened their minds, opened their eyes. It's only Christ, the word of God, that will open their minds and their eyes. And I hope that you found this particular episode to be helpful to you. And we pray, of course, that you can use it in your own witness. Thank you again for all that you do for us. We encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, and become even a giver, a Patreon uh, patron. Give as, as little as $1 or as much as the Lord puts in your heart. It is youtube.com forward slash Sira International. And that's C with a Charlie. Until we meet, uh, meet again, have a blessed day. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.